Hello, everybody, and welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals Podcast. I am Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank. And as you might be able to tell from the music playing right now, a very, very big, imp- important uh, game just happened not too long ago. I know it's been a while since we've uh, nine days. talked to you guys, nine days, but the Super Bowl happened. Um, wasn't very eventful. Wasn't very fun Did to watch. Did the Chiefs really only come away with nine points in that game? The fact that the Buccaneers were able to make the Kansas City Chiefs look like how they did, um, I mean, it was insane. But, you know, going into that game, I know everybody was talking about Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. No one can bet against Tom Brady. I mean, he just won his seventh Super Bowl ring. I mean, one Super Bowl ring for most NFL players is the biggest accomplishment of their life. But to win seven of them, seven, I mean, that is... It's more than any other franchise. That is, yeah, Tom Brady himself has more rings than any other franchise um, combined. So, uh, the fact that he has seven, I mean, you know, we're watching greatness and, you know, he's, uh, I don't know if you can even deny that he's the best football player of all time and uh, maybe not the most talented or the most skilled, but he's the best player of all time. And uh, to make the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 14-2 and two in the regular season, look like how they did, granted, they were missing a few very key important offensive line pieces, but, you know, still Patrick Mahomes, you know, being... Um, you know, obviously one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best players in the entire NFL. I mean, that was uh, that was great. And, you know, a huge part of that was Tampa Bay's pass rush. And, you know, obviously led by Shaq Barrett, um, you know, Ndamukong Su, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, Crazy thing that Ndamukong Su now has a Super Bowl ring. I know. I, I feel like, you know, after playing for so many years on losing teams. It was some, I mean, it was something I'd never seen before. Like, their defensive line was literally getting after the Chiefs' offensive line the entire game. They literally didn't even put up a fight, it didn't look like, for most of the plays. But, um, yeah, they made Mahomes fight all by himself, which I'll give him a lot of credit. He did. I mean, do you realize some of the throws – I, I can't believe this is the first point I'm mentioning, but because it's Patrick Mahomes, he's the best player in the NFL still. I don't think anything differently of him. Listen, he had a bad night. Plenty of players have bad nights. Um, unfortunately, some have it, some have them in the biggest games of their careers. But Patrick Mahomes, this was his second Super Bowl. He's now one and one. I don't view him any differently. Do you? Oh no, not at all. He's still the best quarterback in the NFL, I think. Now Aaron Rodgers did win MVP, but still, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the National Football League. I mean, just look at some of the incompletions. You realize he one one of the throws he was horizontal to the ground he was parallel to the ground and he still managed to hit his receiver in the face mask some of those throws that he was able to get off were unbelievable and yeah exactly i mean he still had over a 50 percent completion percentage and his receivers were dropping balls left and right and the fact that he was even able to get off the majority of the throws that he did was insane and um you know i don't think anyone's trying to deny patrick mahomes talent obviously they just had a bad game and you know the biggest uh, stage of NFL football, but you know, I mean, I think that's happened for a lot of teams. And uh, I mean, look at the Broncos a few years ago against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. They just had a really, really, really bad game. It just happened to be the Super Bowl. Uh, happens to the best, you know, happens to the best of the teams in the NFL. But yeah. uh, you know, know, to say that Patrick Mahomes has already started two Super Bowls in his four-year career, won an MVP. I don't think uh, anyone can take away that he's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and here's the thing: like Tony Pike, who's it was either Tony Pike or Mel Weger. I think it was Tony Pike that the Tuesday after the game said on ESPN 1530, why are we not blaming Patrick Mahomes for this loss? Because that's not the reason why the Chiefs lost this game. 
Did he give the Chiefs every opportunity to win the game? I can say yes. I mean, look look at the look at the the stats from his receivers. Travis Kelsey only had 10 receptions on 15 targets. Meaning, five times he was targeted, he did not come up with a reception. That's not Travis Kelsey. At least from what we have seen in this postseason. Tyree Kill, 7 for 10. Had a drop touchdown in the first quarter. Oh, by the way, great throw from Mahomes. Off balance from way outside the pocket. I mean, he was like in the Gulf of Mexico, for crying out loud. Um, Daryl Williams, two receptions, seven targets. Nicole Hardman, two receptions. Now, some of those, some of those throws... I will say this, some of the throws to Hardman, he, Mahomes did misfire. I will admit that. Two for six. Uh, that's about it for... Th- those were those what stood out to me, but... I mean, I'm sorry. We, know, we don't blame Tom Brady when he loses the Super Bowl. The two, times, the two times that he lost to the Giants, the first time it was, you know, the story of that game was the Giants pulled off the greatest upset in Super Bowl history. It wasn't Tom Brady. His offensive line couldn't do anything against the Giants' pass rush. The second time, Wes Walker dropped the pass. And Brady didn't have a terrible game that night. Um, the, the, the game against the Eagles. Do you realize Tom Brady set a record for passing yards in that game in the Super Bowl at 505, and they still lost because the Patriots' defense was so awful? We didn't blame Brady after that game. We praised Philadelphia. So we, can, we don't have to blame a quarterback just because his team didn't win the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay was the better team, and they showed. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Tampa Bay, but, you know, obviously the Chiefs, like I mentioned earlier, that they had a ton of offensive line injuries. And obviously for an amazing pass rush like Tampa Bay, that's just going to be easy money for them all game. They're just going to get after the quarterback every play. And the fact that they only had three sacks is a testament to how athletic and uh, how skilled and how good Patrick Mahomes is just to be able to get the ball out of his hands with how much time he was given. And, you know, 270 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah, that's not a great stat line. But, um, you know, his receivers, like we said, they weren't catching all the passes. You know, 10 catches on 15 targets for Travis Kelsey. That's not Travis Kelsey-like. That's not something that we've been used to seeing. Tyree Kill, he had 73 yards. Um, you know, he wasn't the biggest X factor in this game like he usually is. And their defense, I wouldn't even say necessarily played very well. Their linebackers, they couldn't seem to really stop the run. Their defensive line didn't necessarily play very well. And Frank Clark, you know, I think he's, um, you know, I think he's someone that we should be looking at as not having a very good season after spending a lot of money on him. And uh, Tyron Matthew, um, Rashad Breland, all those guys didn't really have big games like we've been accustomed to seeing. So, I don't know. I mean, Tampa Bay, obviously, it was their night. It was really good to see Tom Brady win his, you know, seventh Super Bowl. Good for him. Um, it's a great storyline. You know, I, I don't really know what else to say about it. You know, it's he's just so great. He's amazing. Best football player of all time. It's uh, really a kind of a privilege, honestly, to be able to watch him play and get to see him play against probably the, I guess what some people are calling the next Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and if you're going to determine whether or not when all is said and done the Patrick Mahomes – or any quarterback, for that matter, that comes along is the greatest quarterback of all time. You can't do that. Tom Brady is so great that he's in a class by himself. If you're going to measure a quarterback and how great he is compared to Brady based on the number of, what I'm saying is based on the number of Super Bowls that he has won, I don't know if you can really do that because Tom Brady is so great now. Yes, he won six Super Bowls with New England. That is a dynasty and all that, but, and there are, and there are, uh, few other quarterbacks who've won four, 
also known as Joe Montana. He's won four. Terry Bradshaw's won four. Okay, Brady won seven. Which I mean, he 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 is now in a class all by himself. He really, I, I mean, I don't know if any other quarterback will get to seven. And what he did with that team and that organization. Yes, Tom Brady is the reason why the Patriots won six Super Bowls, but he's not the only reason why. It's the organization that he played for that is about as well-run of an organization as any in professional sports. But now he's won a Super Bowl with a team who, prior to his arrival, in 44 seasons, had only 14 winning seasons. I don't think we understand, Justin, just how incredible Tom Brady Winning the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl this year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that at one point had, I think they had what, 11 straight, four, they had 14 straight losing seasons, I believe. 14 straight losing seasons. I mean, think about how much suffering you go through. Thank God for the fans. They have the beach, they have whatever else they have in Tampa Bay. Although the Rays didn't come along until 1998, and they stunk for the first 10 years. The Lightning were around, but they've only been around since... Uh, how long have the Lightning been around for? I don't think very long. Uh, I'll have to check on how long Tampa Bay Lightning have been around. But prior to those two teams, there wasn't much to do in Tampa Bay besides go to the beach and uh, go to spring training. <laughs> Maybe some were Yankees fans down there too or Mets fans. I don't know. But, I mean, there wasn't... And the Yankees didn't even come to Tampa until 96. I mean, Tampa Bay sports prior to this year... They didn't have a lot of history. They didn't have a lot of history. And for Brady to go in there, and in his first season, new offense, new head coach, new personnel, and they win the Super Bowl. Not just, I mean, look, they got hot at the end of the regular season. They won a playoff game in Washington. I, I, I picked them to lose in New Orleans. But when they beat New Orleans, did you sense that something was brewing, that they were maybe going to go all the way and win the Super Bowl, considering number 12 as a quarterback? You know, when they played Washington, you know, you expected them to win. You, they went into the New Orleans game, and, um, you know, Breeze wasn't playing his best football uh, at all. Um, you knew he was about to retire. And then when, you, when they beat them, and then you know they're about to go to Lambeau and play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, I think what I thought to myself was that I don't think that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Well, the power just went out, so that's not good. Well. All right. Well, we've lost power. I guess we'll uh, turn on the... F this is still recording, by the way. The show will still go on. Sorry, that just kind of threw me off the for a second. The show will just, go on. I just want to make sure that the show is still uh, being recorded. Um, but, you know, when they went into New Orleans and won, I, I was just thinking to myself, to myself that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are going to at least make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, there's no way that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to be able to stop them, um, especially the way that they beat them in the regular season, how handily they beat them. Um, you know, there is no way. So, um, you know, it, I mean, it's a testament to Tom Brady that he was able to, he's been able to do it and been able to do it for so long. And another thing that I thought was really interesting was um, CBS Sports HQ posted a graphic and it was Tom Brady has had three Hall of Fame careers. Uh, from 2001 to 2007, he had 86 wins, more than Robert, Roger Staubach, 197 passing touchdowns, more than Joe Namath, 26,364 yards, more than Bob Grease, Greasy. And then three titles more than John Elway. From 2008 to 2014, 73 wins more than Kurt Warner. 195 touchdowns more than Ken Stabler. 26,812 yards more than Bart Starr. And one title, which is more than Dan Marino. 
And then from 2015 to 2020, 70 wins more than Otto Graham, 189 touchdowns more than Troy Aikman, 25,000 or almost 26,000 yards more, more than Sammy Baugh, and two titles more than Brett Favre. So the fact that he has had three Hall of Fame careers in one is just, I mean, you, I saw this graphic and I just, I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. You know, it, it, it's insane. I, I just don't understand how I'm he's gonna able go, to I'm do gonna, it I'm so going to go back as you threw so many stats out there. I'm going to go back and listen to that because that's just, it, it's, I don't even know what the word to describe that is. It's how incredible it is. I mean, it's just greatness, I guess. You know, it's, and I, I the thing is that, that kind of sucks too, is you kind of wonder, is there going to be able to be anybody that's kind of able to replicate that type of career? I mean, the only person right now I could think of that would even be able to close, be able to get close to replicating that would be Patrick Mahomes. And, um, you know, he's appeared, appeared in two Super Bowls, won one and won one MVP. So who knows? I mean, who knows what the future holds? The Chiefs obviously have the ability to come back next year and the year after that. You know, they have a great core of guys around them who are all in contract. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes is able to even get to half of what Tom Brady has been, that's, you know, a legendary career and Hall of Fame career. So at least to me. Well, See, here, the Tom Brady, and another, ad, another adjective and word you can use to describe his career is longevity. He's been in the league for so long that he's had, like you said, Justin, three Hall of Fame careers. Like, here was a guy who came in 2000, so he became the starter in what, 2000, full-time starter in 2001. So from 2001 to 2007, he wins three Super Bowls, and he becomes so good, this god of a quarterback. I mean, he's... Not only did he win three Super Bowls in four years, but the Patriots get to the Super Bowl as an 18-0 team. No other team in NFL history had been 18-0 in the modern day in the modern 16-game NFL season, regular season. No team had gone 16-0. He had accomplished everything at that point in his career. And then they lose the Super Bowl to the Giants. And like I said, Brady is not the reason why they lost that game. If you think he is, sorry, you're wrong. It was the Giants' defense was the story of that game. And it was just a team, a destiny. Ultimately, New England was not. So from 2000, so then the next six years, you realize Tom Brady went nine years without winning a Super Bowl. And in that span, see, you hate him and you hate the Patriots and you're jealous of them. Okay, from 2005 through 2013, the Patriots did not win a, did not win a Super Bowl, nor, of course, did Tom Brady. I think, it, and, and okay, if you're a fan of, oh, let's say the Steelers, you got two. Why are you jealous? You won two Super Bowls. You had your chance, and you took advantage of it. You won two. Congratulations. Uh, the Colts finally broke through and won a Super Bowl. They Congratulations to them. Uh, who else won a Super Bowl? Uh, Seattle won a couple. Seattle, yeah. They, I mean, they, well, they should have won two, but Pete Carroll made a decision to pass the ball from the one-yard line. So, I mean, which other AFC teams? Oh, by the here's the ironic thing about that. The Colts won a Super Bowl. The Steelers won two. So there were nine Super Bowls. The other Super Bowl titles were won by the following teams. The Giants, the Packers, the Saints, Giants again, so they won two. Ravens took advantage, Cinderella run. Now it's really cold out here because of the powers out, the heat isn't kicking in. Um, The uh, Seahawks won a Super Bowl. So... Really, most of the NFC won a Super Bowl. So the AFC, they complained about the they complained about not having an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. You did. I mean, the Bengals had the Bengals had from 20, 2013 was their opportunity to maybe make a run. They could have honestly gone into Gillette Stadium that year if they had beaten the Chargers in the wildcard round and maybe won a Super Bowl. They didn't. Hmm. So 
so the point is, Brady went nine years without winning the Super Bowl. And you're thinking, man, did that night in Glendale, Arizona, when David Tyree made the helmet catch and he didn't have his best game, did it maybe kind of, you know, is this, you know, is he going to end his career without winning the Super Bowl? Is it just the three Super Bowls? Mm, no. It's truly amazing how he's bounced back. He did win a fourth Super Bowl finally. It's like, all right, status cemented he's the greatest. No. He won another Super Bowl. And then, as if that wasn't enough after the fifth one, he won another Super Bowl with a team that wasn't very good, by the way. And then, you know, questions last year at the end of the 2019 season were mounting, ah, is Tom Brady really this good? You know, is Tom Brady still good? Does he still have it? You know, is he too old? Eh, we'll go to Tampa Bay. It's like, oh, but, you know, Brady's not a downfield thrower, and, you know, new head coach, new personnel, you know, he's not even the best team in their division. Well, you don't have to be in the regular season. You just got to be at the end. And now he's now from 2014 through 2020, he's won four more Super Bowls. I mean, this, and even when he wasn't winning Super Bowls, he was still the best quarterback in the NFL, but now he is undisputedly the greatest quarterback of all time. Might even be the greatest player of all time if you can actually have an award that says that. And something that makes me hopeful is, you know, you see him go through that really bad ACL injury, and then you, you think about the guy over in Cincinnati, you think about... But he just, he's going through it now, Joe Burrow, and you just hope that he can come back kind of like Tom Brady did, Tom Brady-esque. Uh, I, mean, I feel like Joe Burrow's been compared to Tom Brady uh, for so many years, but or not for so many years, but for uh, quite some time now. And, uh, you know, you, just, you can only imagine that uh, Joe Burrow is going to have a uh, great comeback kind of like Tom Brady did, or at least you can only hope. Yeah, that is a good point you bring up there. So, I mean, more on this game um, – you mentioned earlier that Tampa Bay's pass rush was just so ferocious and getting after Patrick Holmes. But the thing is, and this was talked about, they really didn't do anything fancy. I mean, they it was really just, you know, they they played double high safeties. They had two, you know, safeties, and they rushed four. I mean, it, they, it wasn't like they were, you know, the Ravens and blitz six or seven. No, they, they played a simple defense. They just... I think what happened was they took advantage of Kansas City not having their tackles. Exactly. And, I mean, when you can get get after the quarterback up front, that's going to make everything so much harder for the quarterback. I mean, even if you aren't running a very complex defense, granted, the, the Buccaneers knew what the Chiefs were going to be doing after having played them in the regular season. So they knew a little bit about their offense. They knew a little bit about what's going to stop them. But for them to have done what they did, it, it takes more than that. You know, it's going to take – um, maybe a key injury or two, and it's going to be just getting after the quarterback. And when you get after the quarterback, it's going to cause everything else to just kind of, you know, work, work itself out. You don't always have to have the best play from your corners and the best play from your safeties and the best plays from your linebacker because when the quarterback is getting the ball out at a weird angle or if he's being forced to make a bad throw, it's going to be easy for them to get interceptions, get pass breakups, get tackles. So... The fact that the Buccaneers were able to do all of that on their defensive line just made everything so much easier for the secondary. Yeah, it did. And, you know, they I thought they played good coverage on their receivers. So I'm getting, getting distracted. I mean, I'm trying to figure out when this power is going to come back on and what I'm going to do for the rest of the night. So anyway, sorry if I'm a bit distracted. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a complex defense performance, but I'm looking at the stats from this game. And Kansas City had actually, they actually had 10 more yards then Tampa Bay did a total 350 for Kansas City, 340 for Tampa Bay. They had more passing yards. Uh, rushing yards, Kansas City and Tampa Bay both rushed for over 100. The Chiefs 107, Buccaneers 145. But 
I mean, Tampa Bay's defense did a good job getting off the field. The Chiefs were 3 of 13 on third down. But another area that we have not gotten to yet, Justin, is the penalties that were accrued by Tampa by Kansas City. They had 11 penalties in this game for 120 yards. And on Tampa Bay's second touchdown drive, they made it 14 to 3. They had a defensive holding penalty on uh, Ward, number 32. Or no, not number 32. So it was an inter- that was actually the interception by Tyron Matthew. So they had a holding penalty that, ca- that wiped it off. Then they held Tampa Bay after the holding penalty, which came on a third down, by the way. So Tampa Bay gets an automatic first down. They don't move the chains after that. So they get a 40-yard field goal attempt, which they made. It was called back because of an offsides. Ironically, on Nicole Hardman. So he jumped offsides, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get an automatic first down. On the very next play, excuse me, Brady goes to Gronk for a touchdown. Did that kind of did that kind of change the momentum of the game there? I think there came a point in time where the momentum was, you know, swinging toward the Buccaneers so much that um, you know, there's always a point in the time, you know, that point in time in a game where if a team is leading by so much that, you know, a lot of times if it's going into halftime, they'll say, well, you know, this quarterback and this team is good enough to come back from this deficit, whether it's 10 points, whether it's 15 points, whether it's just six points, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, even for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I think it came to halftime and you're kind of like, well, if they play exactly like how they did in the first half, it's not going to work in their favor. It's not going to happen. And, uh, um, I think it was about midway through the third quarter. I was, I just thought in my head, I was said the Chiefs aren't coming back from this because with the way that they're playing, and sorry, it sounds like someone was talking, but it sounded. Sorry, I'm just sorry. That's, that's, that's someone scraping their car. So, okay, sorry. For, that, for those listening, they're not in Cincinnati right now. We just got a bunch of snow. It's going to be four degrees tomorrow morning, and on top of all that, the power's out. Sorry, and this, my, this my roommate, my out. roommate just texted that he pretty much just watched the power lines blow up. I don't want to know what that means, nor do I want to know what that actually looked like, but continue. Sorry, that was just just throwing me off. It sounded like someone was knocking at the door, so I just had to make sure. Anyway, um, there just came a point in time about midway through the third quarter where I said, you know, Patrick Mahomes is not going to be able to overcome this. I don't care how good he is. I don't care how good Travis Kelsey and Ty- Tyreek Hill is and Andy Reid is. They're not going to be able to come back against Tom Brady because I feel like, you know, you, know, you saw the way Tom Brady was getting after, like Tom uh, Tyron Matthew, you saw him getting in his face. Tom Brady wanted this game so bad, and obviously every player is going to want it super bad. They're in the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady, you know, when it comes to the Super Bowl, he just flips a switch, and he just, I feel like, turns into a different animal, turns into a different monster. How many times do we see him getting in the opposing player's face and just, you know, telling them that they're going to come after him all game? You know, maybe he does more than we see on TV, but the fact that it's on the biggest stage on the uh, in the Super Bowl, you know, it, it was kind of fun to watch, and I think... You know, Tom Brady, he was not going to lose that game. You know, he, no. had his, he had his foot on the gas pedal, and he was not going to let off. There was no way he was going to lose that game. That's why he got off to such a great start in that first half. I do think we see Brady's a guy, and he won't show it in his postgame press conferences. And maybe he he's kind of he's, he's been kind of different since he's come to Tampa Bay. And Boston, see, Boston is such a – and Colin Coward's talked about this, and I do believe it. Boston is such a historical city, and they have deep roots. It's very traditionalist, very purist. You know, you, you play by the rules up there. There isn't much fanciness, panache, and creativity to sports in Boston. It's it's very, very traditional-based, very um, old school. So Brady wasn't going to say anything that was going to jeopardize 
his relationship with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, you know, said, okay, this is how you're going to behave if you're a part of the Patriots organization. Tom Brady kind of basically was an extension of that, so he wasn't going to say anything controversial or intriguing in his press conferences. But now in Tampa Bay, I mean, we're kind of seeing this personality a little bit. I mean, he's in Florida. He's, you know, I mean, he... I mean, he, and he goes to the wrong person's house to get Byron left, which is playbook. I mean, he's having a little bit of fun down in Tampa Bay now. I mean, I guess when you've been playing by, you know, these rules for, what, 20 years, you want to have some fun late in your career. But I also think, you know, he didn't say this because I, I still think he there are some there are some attributes to him that he's not going to change, and, and one of them is not throw anybody under the bus or, you know, say anything bad about anybody. He's a quarterback. He's a leader. He, he understands what that entails. I don't think we realized just how motivated he was to win a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. He And people say, oh, it was the system that did it. If it was the system that did it, New England's defense would have played much better in any one of the nine Super Bowls that they played in. I'm sorry. Tom Brady won most of those Super Bowls. The only one that he didn't win or was the reason why that they won was the last one that New England was with, and that was the the Rams game. He didn't need he didn't need Bill Belichick. He was out to prove that he still has it. Tom Brady is wired differently in terms of genetics and mentality than certainly most quarterbacks and maybe most athletes are. Oh, I mean, there's no way. I mean, there's no way that you can tell me that Tom Brady wasn't absolutely motivated to go and win a Super Bowl, or you know, at least even make the playoffs. Um, his first year away from the Patriots, you know, the Patriots, obviously they had a lot going against them. Tom Brady leaves. They, uh, you know, had a few opt outs and they still went seven and nine. You know, I, I think that's pretty respectable, but the fact that they did that the year after Tom Brady left, I, that's really saying something. And, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to see Tom Brady having a little fun during his Super Bowl celebration, throwing the Lombardi from boat to boat. And then obviously he does not need to apologize for that either. The daughter of the silversmith who made the Lombardi trophy said that he, she wants an apology. Tom Brady, don't give her one. Keep going. Oh, no. He should not apologize for that. He, he's just having fun. I mean, he's got six others that uh, he could uh, just tell her that he's got a home safe, so she shouldn't have to worry about that. So, um, Isn't that great to say? And then he's, uh, you know, he's stumbling around a little bit, looking like he had a little bit of fun out on the boat parade. Um, but, yeah, no, for sure. Listen, a lot of people said when Tom Brady left the Patriots that he's not going to have near the same success that he had that he had with the Patriots with Tampa Bay because – um, it's Bill Belichick. It's a Patriot way. It's a Patriot system. It's their system that really kept Tom Brady going and, you know, playing until, you know, whatever, 42, 41, whatever it was when he left. Um, and then he comes and wins the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay in his first season as a 43-year-old. And uh, people are starting to say, maybe it was a Tom Brady way. It wasn't the Patriot way. It wasn't the Bill Belichick way. It was a Tom Brady way. And I think they're absolutely right because... If they're not right, then I mean, he won a Super Bowl. He won a freaking Super Bowl with the first year with a new team in a completely different city, new organization, new personnel. I mean, the fact that he was able to do that, I don't think anyone can say that it wasn't the Tom Brady way. No, I mean, in my mind, not. he's the whole reason why the Patriots had success in the first place. And is that? And if if this would have been any other player, if this would have been like Mike Evans goes to another team, wins a Super Bowl in his first year there. It's like, okay, great, you know, he got his ring, he went to a new team. But that's a wide receiver. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, that position's not as important as the quarterback. But at the end of the day, the quarterback, there's so much to it. It's the most, it's the most important, valuable, and scrutinized position in all of sports, professional and college. 
And for Tom Brady as a quarterback who's 43 years old, and I was like, okay, Tom Brady has shown that he is not slowing down, contrary to what others may have thought, in his last year in New England, maybe even 2018, but I will say this, he won MVP at age 40. What other quarterback has done that? I'll wait for an answer. So I, I, I thought, okay, Brady's going to do well there. I don't know if they'll win the Super Bowl just because Tampa Bay, you know, to go from, you know, being a mediocre team to a bad team to the Super Bowl championship right away. Eh, I just can't really see it. I can see them definitely going to the playoffs because I'm like, Brady missing the playoffs? Mm, hell no. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. It's just, it, it is just remarkable to me. I mean, think about the players. Think about the, I mean, that you mentioned the Tom Brady way. Think about guys who Tom Brady's played with. Rob Gronkowski. Did you know who Gronk was before he came to the NFL? This tight end from Arizona. Did you know who Gronk was? No. No? Okay. You did it. You did it in two years. Brady made him the best tight end in the NFL. Did you know who, um, Danny Amendola was before he came to the Patriots. You may have known him from maybe a few instances, a few, maybe one or two, with the Rams. Did you know who Danny Amendola was? No way. Did you know who Julian Edelman was? No. Did you know who Chris Hogan was? No. Did you know who, um, I, I don't know, Philip Dorsett? <laughs> Did you know who um, James White was before his Super Bowl um, panache and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all these names. Did you know who Scotty Miller was? Actually, I, I know about him because my friend goes to Bowling Green, and he told me about him. Okay, so, okay, okay, but <laughs> it's, just, it's just remarkable to me that guys like, first off, Gronk's now a four-time Super Bowl champion. He, he might be the best I didn't ever play the game. Uh, well, Tony Gonzalez may have something to say about that, and Travis Kelsey too, but, <laughs> I mean, think about Mike Evans. Leonard Fournette now has a ring. And Dominican Sue now has a ring. Levante David has a ring. Um, I mean, heck, there are rookies who have rings in their first year. Tristan Wirfs. <laughs> Tristan Wirfs. Bruce Arians now has a ring. Todd Bowles now has a ring. Um, <laughs> Ronald Jones. All the offensive linemen. O.J. Howard. <laughs> Chris Godwin has a ring. <laughs> Sean McCoy has another yeah. The second ring after spending last year. Yeah, there is a light on uh, blinking outside. I'm, I'm I'm hoping that means the power is going to come back on soon. But if, the, but if someone tells you the power lines blow up, that doesn't sound good. No. I but, might not be sleeping here in my house tonight. It, it, because it, it, if the power is out, the heat's out. Yeah. That would be... No thanks. No yeah. Thank you. But I think, Wait, does this, does this mean the power is out where you are too? I don't know. I have to text my roommates. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> well, well, we're all in this together, boys and girls. But I think the thing that you're trying to say is that, you know, I feel like what the Buccaneers what's did this year was... What's the temperature in Tampa Bay right now? Do you know off the top of your head? Oh, uh, Probably like in the 80s, sunny, just absolutely perfect. But I yeah. think what you're trying to say is that, you know, the Buccaneers, I think they all kind of brought everything together at the same time. Jameis Winston, he was... I don't want to say he was a bad quarterback, but he, he obviously had a lot of flaws. He turned the ball over a lot. He was inaccurate quite a bit. Um, and a lot of people said, you know, it, it might just take a quarterback to get them to where they need to be. They had really good uh, receiving, like a really good receiving core with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, um, Cameron Brait. And, you know, they had a good running back, Ronald Jones. Then they bring in Tom Brady, bring in Leonard Fournette. Well, there's also one other player that has a ring now that I didn't mention yet. Who's that? Antonio Brown. That's true. And they bring in Antonio Brown. <laughs> I keep going. Sorry, that just baffles me that Antonio Brown now has a ring. 
I mean, it, it, I think it was just like... It's the same number of rings as Mike Tomlin, by the way. That's true. I think it was just like, it all came together perfectly in the same year. Um, and then, you know, now the question is, I think, how many more are they going to be able to win? Because how many more guys are going to be able to keep on the roster? Levante David's set to be a free agent. Chris Godwin's set to be a free agent. Uh, you know, I have a few other guys set to be free agents. So uh, we'll see. I mean, as long as they're able to, you know, if they lose some of those guys to, um, you know, regroup and get some, you know, big name free agents, if they're able to still draft well, obviously they drafted the best rookie uh, offensive tackle or offensive lineman in the entire draft in Tristan Wirfs. And uh, so we'll see. I mean, I think with Bruce, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady that they're going to be able to do it again. But we'll see. I, I mean, it's really hard to do the same thing two years in a row. Well, the last time it was done was 2003 and 2004, and we saw with the Chiefs this year, for as dominant as they were seemingly in the regular season, as great of a playoff run as they had, and as good as they looked in that AFC Championship game, I mean, even they showed that it is very, very difficult to win back-to-back -back Super Bowls. And the Super Bowl, listen, it is different than the NBA Finals, the World Series, and the Stanley Cup Final because it's one game, 100 million fans are watching, there's so much pressure on you, and, and, and there's so much, you know, mystique and aura surrounding the Super Bowl, the pomp and circumstance, it is very, very difficult to win a second straight Super Bowl. It, it really, really is. And that's why, I mean, no team's won three in a row. Uh, very few teams have won two in a row. The Patriots did it. The Niners did it. The Cow Have the Cowboys done it? I don't know if the Cowboys have done it. The Cowboys have done it, excuse me, 27-28. The Niners did it. I mentioned them. The Steelers did it. The Packers did it. I mean, there aren't that many teams that have won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. I mean, it's, I mean, it's very, very difficult. Now, I mean, the other thing, too, is do you realize Tom Brady and the Buccaneers had to win three road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl? <laughs> that makes it, I mean, and to beat three uh, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the process yeah. of winning the Super Bowl. Going to New Orleans. Now, granted, you know, you, you weren't playing in New Orleans when in a normal year when you have 70,000 fans as wild as any fan base in the National Football League. But still, I mean... For to do that in your first season with a new team at age 43? And quite frankly, I mean, I don't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. I mean, you can say, oh, it's so hard to repeat. But do you really want to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs next year? I don't. I don't at all. Because I think that they're going to be able to re-sign some of those key important guys. And, you know, for the most part, have the same group as they did last year. I and think, what's stopping them from doing it again? I think you can pen them in to go into the Super Bowl. Now, Brady has lost three Super Bowls in his career Two of which have come uh, when hasn't really no has not. One of which has come when he has had an opportunity to win a second straight. So maybe you know you you don't want to bet against them in the playoffs prior to the Super Bowl. I mean he's he's won thirty six playoff games. I mean think about the franchises that haven't won thirty six playoff games. In fact that he might have more playoff wins than any franchise in the history of the National Football League. I mean should Tom Brady be his own franchise? I mean. Seriously, I mean, it, it, there are no words to describe how great Tom Brady is. When you think about, when you put into perspective what he has accomplished, it is it, it is just remarkably unbelievable. I mean, I, there are you, you said it. There are no words to say uh, he know, make, to describe Tom Brady. He makes winning three Super Bowls for a quarterback like it's just oh a footnote in history, which it's not. I mean, the fact that I mean, do do do, do we forget that Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls? I think so. I, I mean, I feel like literally Tom Brady, his Super Bowl rings have overshadowed every other great quarterback in NFL history. Three of which, three of which have come after Peyton Manning retired. Yeah, which was five years ago. He's played five more years. He's won three Super Bowls and been to four. 
Now, here's the here's what I'll say about, about this. There's this rivalry between Brady and Mahomes. And it's such unique rivalry because Mahomes is this young, flashy, next great quarterback. Brady already is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And he's 40, he's going to be 44 in August. And yet here he is still playing at a very high level. But the age difference between these two quarterbacks is what makes this rivalry so unique. And how, and I think it's the question, how long can this rivalry, you know, if the Chiefs and Buccaneers get back to the Super Bowl, which the last time the same Super Bowl matchup occurred back-to-back years, I believe was in 19, it was in Super Bowls 12 and 13 with the Steelers and the Cowboys. We could see it again. I don't know. No, I'm sorry. It was uh, the Cowboys and Bills, 27 and 28. Excuse me. That was the last time we've seen the same Super Bowl matchup back-to-back years. And I think that if there's any two teams set to, you know, that you could probably pencil into the Super Bowl next year, it'd be these exact same two teams because, for the most part, they're going to have their same roster, same core, uh, a lot of young guys, and I think it's, you know, great coaches, and I think it's yeah. very likely that these two same teams are going to be back in the Super Bowl next year. I don't see any team beating Kansas City next year. The only the only team I can see Kansas City being beating Kansas City is themselves, but. Andy Reid's constantly reinventing the offense, you know, getting his team focused. I think, and, and so long as Patrick Mahomes is there, they're going to be at least a top two team. Now, the, now the problem is Patrick Mahomes has never had to play in the wild card round of the playoffs. But the new addition of a playoff team in each league to the NFL to give it seven is okay. If you're not the number one seed, you're going to have to win three games to get to the Super Bowl. So. I mean, I don't know if Buffalo will overtake him as the one seed. Maybe in the regular season somebody will, but in the playoffs, Mahomes has never had to play a road playoff game either, something that Brady never really had to do early on in his career. Actually, actually, I take that back. Brady did have to play some road playoff, road playoff games in his career. In fact, in his very first playoff appearance, he won a AFC Championship game on the road. They went, they went on the road in 05 and 06. They went on the road again in 2013. Excuse me. 15 and 18. So he has played some rope playoff games. And of course, all three this year, which I believe he has an over 500 record in the playoffs. I think it's nah, eight and four on the road. Excuse me. I mean, I mean, think about the quarterbacks who haven't even played 12 playoff games, let alone 12 road playoff games. I mean, that's how great Brady is. Part of it, again, is due to the Patriots organization. But it's more so Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's... It'll be fun to watch for years to come, and I, you know, I don't think anyone can deny that. Um, we've talked a lot about the Super Bowl now. Um, I'd like to get a little into a different topic, uh, something that a lot of Bengals fans are very, very excited for this upcoming season. Wait, 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 wait. wait. It, does it have to do with this? Does it have to do with something with this, Justin? And if you, For those of you who are listening, if you don't know what this is, this is the NFL Hall of Fame music. And something that the Bengals have been begged for by the fans for so many years to do is an NFL Ring of Honor. And so this past week, the Bengals posted a picture on their Instagram. Um, you know, it was of the stadium. You know, they, they a lot of snow in the stadium. And they have like a little caption like, oh, uh, something to be back in Paul Brown Stadium next season. Look at all the snow, whatever. And so I, I saw it, you know, earlier on in the day. I was at the gym. I saw it. I was like, oh, that's a cool picture. Um, you know, I come home, um, you know, I'm on my phone and I see someone zoom in on the picture. You know what it was? It was a bunch of names lined up on the side of Paul Brown Stadium. And specifically names like what names? Tim Crumry, 
Anthony Munoz, some of the best Bengals players in Cincinnati Bengals history. And that is, um, it looks like they're going to be getting a ring of honor, something that I've been waiting for, something that a lot of Bengals fans have been waiting for, for the entirety of the organization, something that um, I feel like almost every single other NFL team has that the Bengals do not. Um, and I think it was Tim Crummery, uh, like Ken Anderson, and like Anthony Munoz were like the three that, names Those there. three were on there. And then they eventually take it down. And I think that was kind of like a little teaser. Uh, Channel 12 eventually actually um, confirmed that the names were up there as they went to the stadium. You could kind of see it uh, from a certain angle at a certain gate. And then the next day they post the same picture, but the names were gone with a little uh, smirk emoji, thinking that they're all you know slick and you know not having the names not up there, like they're not doing something, like they're not up to something behind the scenes. Um, so since in honor of the Bengals looking like they're going to get it, going to be getting a ring of honor you and i both pay our top five uh bangles that should yes. be placed on the ring of honor now what we're going to do is we're going to go in uh backwards order so i'm going to go from number five alex will say is number five i'll say four he'll say four and uh so right, on so you're, so. So you're going to start us number five all right so week one cincinnati Bengals. Paul Brown Stadium, open to the fans. Hopefully, uh, a lot more fans than last year. Not as socially distant with masks. We'll see what happens. Uh, you walk into the stadium, and one of the first names that I want to see up there is Chad Ochocinco. He is my number five player that I think should be inducted into the Bengals uh, Ring of Honor. Now, not only is Chad Ochocinco arguably the best wide receiver in Bengals history, he's number one in yards, number one in touchdowns. Um, the amount of notoriety and the amount of fame and the amount of attention that Chad Ochocinco got on a game-to-game -game basis, on a week-to-week -week basis, uh, from the media, from the fans, was like none other. He is one of the biggest characters in NFL history. I mean, listening to his NFL mic'd up uh, little, little bits are some of the funniest things you can listen to. I mean, he was so confident. He was so talented, so fast, so skilled. And, uh, you know, I think having him not on here would be a crime. Eventually, Chad Johnson will be Chad Ochocinco. Would they put Johnson or Ochocinco as his last name on the Ring of Honor? I think they will put Johnson. I like the, I like the Ochocinco, so I was going with Ochocinco. Maybe, maybe they'll do both because at one point he was Ochocinco. Although I do think that rubs some fans the wrong way and some people the wrong way. So that's a very interesting number five pick, but I do believe he is deserving of it. Not only it was, of course, the notoriety with his, you know, his antics, his celebrations, his entertainment, but... Here was a guy who had over 10,000 receiving yards, and there aren't that many wide receivers in the history of this league that have amassed that many number of receiving yards. I mean, he was at one point a top five, maybe for sure top 10, top five wide receiver in the National Football League. I mean, I mean, teams had to figure out a way to defend him. And you, you could, but at the same time, he was going to make these acrobatic catches. That's how great he was. My number five option is, is a former coach. A head coach, and I'm going with the innovator of the no-huddle offense, the pride. He was born, by the way, in the same city I was, the ATL, Sam Weish. Um, his full name is Samuel David Weish. So Sam Weish was the head coach of the Bengals for eight years. He had he only had three winning seasons. Ah, but you might remember he took the Bengals to the Super Bowl in 1988 with the NFL's MVP, Boomer Esiason. Sam Weish. Coached in the back end of Ken Anderson's career and then ushered in the Boomer Sison era, won 84 games, took the Bengals to two playoff appearances. Was it two playoff appearances? Yes, two playoff appearances, 1988 
1990, he won three playoff games during that time period. The innovator of the no huddle offense, like I mentioned, uh, just this, you know, he had charisma, he had a personality. Of course, his famous, you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati uh, episode during the 1989 season in a game against Seattle. Uh, he was as, he was, excuse me, um, as integral of a figure to this franchise as any coach executive that has come through this organization. And when you think about the, the history of the Bengals, a lot of the history was written during that time period from 1981 through 1990, where they went to four playoff appearances and two Super Bowls. And Sam Weish was at the forefront of that era. He deserves to be in the ring of honor. He's my number five pick. Number five, Sam Weish. I should preface, preface my list by saying, there's no coaches. I'm just doing players only. All right. Um, and I do understand that coaches probably deserve to be on this list, but I just wanted to make it more fun because I think, obviously, players are the ones on the field making the plays, and uh, obviously, they're probably more remembered than the coaches. So my number four is a guy that you just mentioned, Boomer Esiason. So Boomer Esiason, he was with the Bengals from 1984 to 1992. You mentioned he won the MVP in 1988. Brought them to the Super Bowl. Nearly won against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, he's maybe the best quarterback in uh, Bengals history. I think that's arguably, uh, you know, that's a debate. That's arguable. We'll see. I have, an, I have another guy on my list that I'd like to mention. Oh, do you? Um, started 187 games, um, 80 and 93 QB record, 57% completion percentage, uh, 37,000 yards, 247 touchdowns, 184 interceptions. Um uh, and then four-time Pro Bowl, one-time All-Pro, one-time MVP, and then he was a 1995 Walter Payton Man of the Year. So, Brumer Sison, he was a very talented quarterback, um, was with the team for a long time, and I think that he's my number four guy on this list. And when you think of great players that have come through this organization, you got to mention Boomer Sison. He played 10 years total with the Bengals, compiled a record of 62-61 and 61, uh, with the Bengals, threw for nearly 30,000 yards. You mentioned 187 touchdown passes, including career highs of 28 in 1988 and 1989 when he won the NFL MVP in 88. Uh, he was uh, Sam Weish's quarterback, so as a result, those two guys should definitely be in the Hall of Fame together. They are my number five and number four picks, so we agree on number four. Who's your number three? My number three is Ken Riley. Now, I know that it was a recent uh, debacle with the Bengals that they are upset that Ken Riley wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Um, to me, he's one of the biggest Hall of Fame snubs in NFL history. Not only is he, I believe, fourth in the NFL in interceptions in uh, NFL history, he's a one-time All-Pro, but he spent from 69 to 83 with the Bengals. I mean, for a defensive back to spend that many years, 15 years with one team is incredible, and it's not something you see very often. And a lot of people, I think, uh, kind of overshadow Ken Riley just because he was with the Bengals. Um, you know, he had a back-to-back -back year with five interceptions, six interceptions, and then nine interceptions. And then in his final season in 1983, he had eight interceptions. I mean, that's just unheard of, and I think that not a lot of people know about him simply because he played for the Bengals. He was only a one-time All-Pro, and I think that um, when you talk about NFL legends and Bengals legends, like Ken Riley is right up there near the top. My number three, I'm going to go. Now, here's the thing. Like, you think about the great players that come through your organization, a quarterback should be the top. But in this case, I put him below my top player in Bengals history. Number three, I got to go with Ken Anderson, quarterback for the Bengals from 1971 through 1986. In those 16 years, compiled a 100 or, or 91 and 81 record. 
Over 32,000 passing yards, including a 3,169-yard season in 75. Uh, 3,000, I, I shouldn't have gone to 3,754 in 1981 where he won the NFL's MVP, led the Bengals to the Super Bowl 16, 197 touchdowns to 160 interceptions in his career. Ken Anderson, who should as well with Ken Riley be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's my number three pick, best quarterback potentially in Bengals history. Number two. My number two is a guy that you just mentioned, Ken Anderson. And I, it was really hard for me to go between Ken Anderson and Ken Riley. I think a lot of times it's hard to decipher how much a quarterback versus a defensive back means to an organization. I think at the end of the day, a quarterback is going to you know, be the more important piece for an organization. Um, you know, it was really hard for me to pin him over Ken Riley, one of the best you know, Bengals players of all time. But I think at the end of the day, what he did for the Bengals is uh, just barely outweighs what Ken Riley was able to do for the Bengals. My number two is the greatest Bengals player in franchise history and the greatest offensive tackle potentially in NFL history, Michael Anthony Munoz, a Pro Football Hall of Famer, inducted in, or enshrined in 1998, 11-time Pro Bowler, 9-time All-Pro uh, Hall of Fame, All-1980s team, and the 1991 Walter Payton Man of the Year. Anthony Munoz played 185 games in his career, started 184, and in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons, played and started in all 16 games for the Cincinnati Bengals, played on both Super Bowl teams in 1981 and 1988. Anthony Munoz for the Bengals Ring of Honor, without question. And now, number one. And number one is also Anthony Munoz. I mean, I don't think that people can, um, I don't think people realize how big of a piece Anthony Munoz, Anthony Munoz was for the Cincinnati Bengals. For an organization that had not had a lot of success and not a lot of notoriety, Anthony Munoz coming in and being how dominant and how you know big of an impact on the offensive line and then now being you know arguably the best offensive lineman of all time. I mean, at least for the... You know, he was definitely the best Bengals offensive lineman of all time, the best Bengals player of all time, you know, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's something that's not talked about enough and Anthony Munoz is simply the most dominant, the most you know impactful, the most important, best player in Bengals history. He is, but the most important figure in Bengals history, maybe the most important figure when it comes to football in Ohio history, Ohio football history, is my number one pick for the Bengals Ring of Honor, and that honor belongs to Paul Eugene Brown, the founder of the Cincinnati Bengals, their first head coach, in franchise history from 1968 through 1975, eight seasons, winning 55 games, taking the Bengals as an expansion franchise to three playoff appearances, and then as an owner, oversaw a Bengals franchise that reached two Super Bowls in 1988 and 1981, brought pro football here to Cincinnati, has, a, has the course, the stadium now named after him, Paul Brown Stadium, and you know he's got a statue in Cleveland, Ohio State, Canton, Massillon, and now he'll have his name forever bestowed in Bengals franchise history on the Ring of Honor in Paul Brown Stadium. He should be the first, given that the stadium's named after him, that he brought pro football to Cincinnati. He was the first head coach of the team and was the owner of the team during its uh, highest era of success in franchise history. And if I wasn't doing just players, then I would easily pit Paul Brown at number one. It's just a matter of, I was just doing players for this list. But yeah, Paul Brown, you know, what he did for this team and, uh, you know, bringing football to the city of Cincinnati is something that... Um, is greatly underappreciated and something that, you know, I, I honestly, I wish I could thank him to his face for because my love for the Cincinnati Bengals runs deep and 
Yeah, I mean, you go back to the roots and the reason why Cincinnati, that the city of Cincinnati has pro football for a while, and it only had baseball. And the Bearcats basketball, sure enough, was great in the early 60s, but they didn't have, you know, a, a, a pro football team, and they do. And I mean, they're one of only 32 cities in the country to have a professional football team. And that's why when people say, oh, the Bengals should, you know, relocate they shouldn't be here in Cincinnati I'm tired of them shut your mouths yeah be fortunate that you have a pro football team that you can watch every Sunday I don't care how bad they are they have not been you know the best run organization the last 30 years I understand that but you also have to be thankful look at the other side of the story don't be bitter look at the other side of the story and now we are both going to do two honorable mentions I'll do both of mine so my two honorable mentions were Tim Crumry who was actually on the uh in Paul Brown Stadium, his name was up in Paul Brown Stadium as part of that kind of teaser Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor that they were doing. Um, you know, a longtime linebacker, over a thousand tackles. Uh, you know, one of the most uh, underrated linebackers and defensive players during his time period. And then my other one, it was kind of hard. I went back and forth. I wasn't really sure um, between Isaac Curtis and the guy that I'm choosing is AJ Green. Um, oh, that's an interesting pick there. So AJ Green. I think, honestly, it's probably a little bias. You know, I grew up watching A.J. Green. When I first started watching football was in 2011, the it's year that A.J. Green, you know, the, the year that I started watching Bengals football was 2011. That's the year, obviously, Andy Dolan and A.J. Green got drafted. And yeah. So, obviously, it's a little bit of bias, but I think that A.J. Green is, um, you know, him and Chad Johnson are, you know, you could pit either one at the number one receiver for uh, Bengals history, but, you know, what he's been able to do for this city and be able to do for this team and, the plays that he's been able to make and all he's gone through as a kid, losing his brother and, um, you know, being the number four overall pick. He's lived up to every single last bit of it. He's been a hard worker, never complained about a single bit of work. Um, and I think that, you know, him being in Cincinnati was probably the best thing that's happened to this team in a long time. He really is. And, I mean, he was this great prolific player for so many years. It's a shame that we never really got to see him really live out his prime through all the injuries. And, of course, in his fifth season when the Bengals had maybe the best chance to win a Super Bowl potentially – Andy Dolan goes down. My two wild cards, uh, I went with a guy who you have on your top five, Ken Riley. I mean, you talk about 65 career interceptions, backed by a career high, nine in 1976. Played on the Bengals Super Bowl team in 1981. Started all 16 games, by the way. Played for the Bengals for 15 years. Uh, Career-wise, 11-time All-Pro, wearing number 13 with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, 18 fumble recoveries as a right cornerback. That's pretty That's pretty strong, given that most fumbles are recovered by, typically, you think of defensive linemen or linebackers. So I got Ken Riley. And then my second one, I got to go with one of the best interior uh, defensive linemen to ever play for the Cincinnati Bengals. Tim Crumry played for the Bengals from 1983 through 1994. Two-time All-Pro, or Pro Bowl, one-time All-Pro. Played on the Bengals Super Bowl team in 1988. 188 games played, 161 of those he started. In his career, had 1,017 tackles, including 152 in 1988, 113 in 1986. Um, career, he had 34 and a half sacks, backed by five of them coming in 1984, three of them in 1988, four of them in 1991. Tim Crumry for the Bengals Ring of Honor. Next show we'll get to because we are running low on time, and I have to quite frankly go to the bathroom. Uh, we have uh, Bengals in the last 20 years, or Paul Brown Stadium era, that should be in the Ring of Honor because most of the most of the great players have come before the Paul Brown Stadium era. But there are some great players who have come here the last 20 years. Maybe you don't realize they're great. We do. Yeah, and just one of those is AJ Green, like I mentioned, Geno Atkins, Carson Palmer, yeah, Andrew Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth, Chad Johnson, T.J. Hushmanzada. 
Marvin Lewis even, should he be considered? Maybe Carlos Dunlap should even be considered the all-time sacks leader. We'll see. Maybe Giovanni, maybe even Gio Bernard. Yeah. I mean, I, I can even go that far down the list. Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be here all day if we keep listing off names. Leon Hall. I mean, I, I don't want to go da- down that far, but I mean, you never know. Yeah. Von sure. Bell should be on there for hitting Ju- for laying out Juju Smith-Schuster. Just put it to you that way. And Jesse uh, Bates is another another yeah. guy that might even be on that list. Too. You can put Joe Burrow up there now. Yeah. Just go ahead and put Joe Burrow number one in all time history. Um, well, we should be back next week. Um, you know, we have a mock draft coming up soon. Whether it's next week or the week after that, it's coming soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, more Bengals content. Uh, free agency opens on March 17th, so that's coming up. Yes. Uh, and hopefully the Bengals are going to be making big moves then. Hopefully so. the power's back on back by then. Let's hope. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, this was it for the Bearcast Media Bengals podcast. I'm Justin Cashman. He is Alex Frank. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.